following program is your wake-up call. Listen to discretion advised. Welcome to the Progressive Union. I am your host, Dorian DeLeonardo, broadcasting to you from New York City. We report the news the corporate media ignores. Joining me for this hour, as always, is my husband and co-host, Tony DeLeonardo. We were on a little uh, break, a little summer break. We needed to, you know, take some time to absorb everything that has been going on and to do a little research on uh, the truth uh, behind the corporate media. They're pumping all the time and everything is COVID 24 hours a day. And if not, it's a little protest news. But now they're ignoring the protests, which are still going on in full force. Uh, I feel like I'm the victim of a Bukaki video. What's a Bukaki video? Never mind. Oh, my God. Is it's that something, something that you... we need to bleep out? No, no, but it's something you would have to clean yourself off. I don't even want to know. This is very scary when I don't know what we're talking about. Anyway, that brings me to this scary story that I'm going to present to everybody here. And there's nothing funny about it. I don't know if, you know, you know how Tony is. Tony is always the counter with a little bit of comic relief when we do our show, which is welcome. Um, I'm really the straight lady here, no pun intended. Um, But this is not funny what we're going to present to you, but it's important that you know that this entire virus situation could be, how can I say, not solved, but there are remedies to it. Well, put it this way. We would be in better hands if Grandpa Munster was taking <laughs> control of this uh, coronavirus. Funny. I think if our cats were in charge of the coronavirus. But it's not by mistake. And we're not talking about Trump either. This has nothing to do with Trump. This ha- Trump is just the front guy for this whole deal. As a matter of fact, once in a while, Trump will say something that actually is factual. But because his brand is so bad... He falls into being the dupe for the media and for the powerful who do not want us to know that there are drugs that are affordable that work and that fight the virus and remedy it so we're not all locked into our homes and our businesses aren't all dying. Trump is like that scene in Goodfellas when De Niro and Ray Liotta were walking down the street and he says to Leota, he goes, you think Maury tells Bell everything? He goes, oh, who listens to what he says? He's always running his big mouth with those stupid commercials, blah, blah, blah. Maury, the guy they killed with right, the ice Right, right, with yeah. the, the toupee that was with always wig. falling Maury's off. wigs. <laughs> <laughs> but because Trump is always blathering on, and a lot of the things he says are either he presents them poorly, because I don't think he really understands what he's talking about, or... He just, you know, nobody trip believes him. 60% of America thinks he's full of crap or an idiot or both. So when he actually says something that has truth behind it and the media does not want you to know that this is truthful because it's not their agenda, he falls right into their trap. So a long while ago, he talked about hydroxychloroquine. Okay, which is a very old drug. 65 years ago, it got FDA approved for numerous different illnesses, rheumatoid arthritis, lupus, malaria, many millions and millions of people take this medicine. Many have other diseases and they are treated with it. So when Trump mentioned that, he fell right into their trap because that drug 
has no restrictions on who can make it. Any pharmaceutical can make it because it's 65 years old. So that's not going to make anyone rich. No stocks are going to go up, right? It's, and it's also very affordable for everyone to buy, whether you have insurance or not. So that remedy doesn't suit the purposes of the people that want to make money off this situation. And this drug is being used all over the world, and it's being used with another drug, um, an antibiotic, the Z-Pak, that I think we've all taken, also affordable and easy to access, and zinc, which you can buy in the pharmacy. So unfortunately, because Trump was the first person to say this and say it to the national audience, that gave the media the opportunity to say, oh my God, why is he saying this? And they, they led the public to believe that it's a dangerous drug. How could that be? It's been around so long, FDA approved, millions of people take it, and there's no evidence to that. But because we're all running around trying to figure out how we're gonna save ourselves from the virus, how we're gonna save our health, how we're gonna save our businesses, what's gonna happen next. Now I have to wear a mask to the food store, right? Everybody's flipping out. This is its classic shock doctrine. They distract you by something else. They make you very worried and concerned about things that are very close to you that you don't see the big picture. Yeah, you don't have no time to uh, make money drink beer and watch porn oh you're so funny or they're watch wear- baseball there's almost no baseball they're but- wearing us out anyway so i started to do some research so i most people know that we're very big fans of gary Null, who talks about health wellness and a lot of other uh, social issues and so forth but a lot of science on uh, wbai 99.5 new and, york city 12 and, to 1 every morning but you can also listen to him online so you could just google him and you can so stream I'm giving you a plug gary or do your po- or his podcast it's well worth listening and you learn a lot and you also learn about how to take care of your health which also would be a nice thing if the media told people how to get healthier so maybe they wouldn't get so sick from oh, the now virus they have these new burger king commercials with these porker sitting in the front seat practically having orgasms because they're getting two whoppers for five dollars just the thing you need when you're trying to boost your immune system two whoppers let me slam dunk two whoppers down my gullet so let me not get off track okay so the article this comes from the association of american physicians and surgeons aaps the title of the article is a tale of two drugs money versus medical wisdom And this was May 7th. So these are doctors that are giving us some information. The doctor is Elizabeth Lee Villette. She's an MD. And at the bottom of the article, there's a whole bio about her. So let's let's get started. So at the presidential briefing on April 30th, Dr. Anthony Fauci announced early results of a peer, a prior peer review of one clinical trial using remdesivir an intravenous experimental antiviral medicine in patients hospitalized with COVID-19. At warp speed, currently in vogue for the Fauci-led push to a new vaccine, the very next day, the FDA issued an emergency use youth authorization, EAU, for remdesivir to be used in seriously ill hospitalized patients. To announce the emergency approval, Trump met with no other than the CEO of the manufacturer, 
gilded sciences in the Oval Office. So the pharmaceutical that makes this experimental drug that is brand new was not approved by FDA until recently. Such rapid authorization is quite unusual for the FDA. Unlike the experimental remdesivir, with no prior FDA approval, hydroxychloroquine, HCQ, required two months from reports of successful use in China and South Korea to get a March 28th FDA EAU use in hospitalized COVID patients. Remember, hospitalized. HCQ, hydroxychloroquine, was approved in 1955 by the FDA for malaria and later for use in lupus and rheumatoid arthritis patients. Over the last 65 years, hundreds of millions of prescriptions have been written for hydroxychloroquine worldwide. So this drug is made worldwide. It is made by many different pharmaceutical companies. It is relatively inexpensive. The EAU for hydroxychloroquine did not, however, expand its availability, but imposed restrictions to prevent non-hospitalized patients from accessing the government's stockpile of the drug. Democrat Governor Andrew Cuomo and the governor... Sisolak uh, of Nevada and Wintner, Whitner of Michigan then imposed strict orders on outpatient use, and all but four, four states have followed their lead. So I just want you to make sure you absorb that the drug that's been around, used by millions of people for several different illnesses, you may know people in your own life that are taking this drug, could be old people, rheumatoid arthritis, lupus, all these drug, all these people are taking this drug. It's 65 years old. It is inexpensive and there's no problem with it, but there's no money to be made from it. So our governor, along with almost the whole union, has made it so if you're an outpatient, you are sick, you let the, the doctor does gets you a COVID test, they find out you have it. And instead of giving you a low dose of this drug and giving you uh, the Z-Pack and giving you zinc so you don't get sicker, you can only get it maybe if you're in the hospital dying. Meanwhile. <laughs> so um, in the decades of widespread use, this is important, hydroxychloroquine has an impressive safety record. Now, that's not what the media is telling you, but this is what the doctors are telling you. And there's link after link in this article. And you can find peer reviews on this drug everywhere. Um, Irregular heart rhythm or damage to the retina occur very rarely, usually in high doses used long term, which would not be used necessarily to treat everyone that has this disease, by the way. Um, FDA shows only 62 cardiac deaths attributed to hydroxychloroquine out of more than, and you will not believe the number, 50 million prescriptions. Did you get that? 62 deaths, 52 million prescriptions. Okay. That's like, I'll tell you what it is. It's a 0.000124%. Rheumatology. Rheumatology guidelines for lupus and rheumatoid arthritis do not even require baseline 
electrocardiograms before prescribing this drug since the risk is so minimal. So they don't even need to do that because it's so rare out of all the people that have taken this. Approximately $70 million in U.S. taxpayer, taxpayer funding began Gillard's partnership with the U.S. Army Centers for Disease Control and Prevention, CDC, and the National Institutes of Health, NIH, to develop remdesivir, initially for treating Ebola. It failed to show benefit, and it was shelved. Okay. We gave Gilead $70 million to develop this drug to treat Ebola, and it didn't work. It failed, and they shoved it on the shelf. If remdesivir is used to treat COVID-19, Gillid shareholders, not the taxpayers, will profit. Okay, so I hope everybody understands. We're paying for this. It's not proven to work. It didn't work for Ebola. They put it on a shelf. We have a drug already that has 65 years proven. It is not a dangerous drug, right, at all. We have evidence to show that. It's inexpensive. It is available. But we're being not, we're not allowed to use our freedom Freedom, conservatives, if any conservatives listen to us at all, Probably li- not. libertarians, any of these people, Republicans, freedom, you don't have the freedom to get this drug because you're not allowed. Democrat, Republican governors, nope, you're not allowed. They want to give you this other drug that doesn't work, that maybe will make you get better four days sooner, they're not really sure. Yeah, and then you'll wind up waking up looking like Herman Munster. Oh, you're so funny. You're really into the Munsters today. Um, early, on a roll. early results of the first clinical trial of remdesivir against a placebo in a corona in coronavirus were announced at a White House um, briefing on April 30th. It showed very modest results. According to New York Times, surviving patients giving remdesivir were discharged only four days sooner than patients given a placebo. No, no criteria were given for determining improvement. Death rates were not significantly different. So I think the most important thing when you're sick with something that can kill you is if you die or not. So this drug is not going, it doesn't look like there's any evidence that it's going to save you from death. They may be four days sooner out of the hospital, but the death part, no. Look, when I go to a hospital, I look for two things. (laughs) Discharge? No. Hot nurses and clean bedpans. Oh, you're funny. Um, Okay, so about 25% of patients receiving redesivir had potentially severe side effects. Okay, so here we go with the really bad news. So here are the side effects of this drug that they're pumping including multiple organ dysfunction, septic shock, acute kidney injury, low blood pressure. Another 23% showed evidence on lab tests of liver damage. So the drug can kill you. But again, we're paying for it. And we're not using the drug that doesn't kill you. Gillard's own press release revealed the side effect of acute respiratory failure in 6% of the patients. In the Redesivir five-day treatment group, 10.7% of the patients in the 10-day treatment group 
clearly ominous findings with a drug designed to treat respiratory failure. Do you realize how insane this is? But nobody knows this because it's not on the news because they are crafting. Does this surprise you or anybody no, else? No, but it's extremely. They knocked down two buildings just for the guys to go attack a country. They blame a country that had, had nothing, nothing to, to do, do with, with it. it. And they also told us the air was clean. Uh, and people believed it and they're still dropping well, dead. Well, I didn't and that's why I'm still here. True. So, all right, now let's listen to some doctors, okay? So this guy, Dr. Stephen Neeson, Cleveland Clinic, so this guy knows what he's talking about, cardiologist who has conducted dozens of clinical trials, explained to the New York Times, and I quote, the disclosure of trial results in a political setting before a peer review or publication is very unusual. Scientists will need to see figures on harms associated with the drug in order to assess its benefits. This is too important that to be handed in such a sloppy fashion. So they didn't do their due diligence. This should not have been fast-tracked. And I, the words he used, the word sloppy is exactly what this is because you know what? Their intention is for it to be sloppy. They want this thing to keep going. They don't want there to be a, a solution to this problem at all because it's their way to manipulate. That's the reason. Now, here's another doctor, Dr. Michelle Barry, a global health expert at Stanford University, another smarty, expressed concerns about Dr. Fauci's overly enthusiastic praise from Remdesivir. She says, and I quote, it is unusual to call a drug the standard of care until peer review of data and publication and before studies have shown benefit in mortality. They have to do a lot of different studies. They have to give these drugs to a lot of different because people. Because Fauci is another greedy old SOB <laughs> looking to feather his nest that he doesn't want to be shoved in a room, another old guy, and forgotten. He's been working for the government for so long, and this is his role. Fauci is so full of oof. Yeah, he's not a person to be tr trusted, but he is the person that everybody's like, where's Fauci? You see and that? Marx is another one. Yep. Cuomo's another one. So, okay, the leading... They're playing the American public like a piece of silly putty. So are you ready? The leading communicable disease specialist in France. Okay, so this is the Fauci in France, okay? Professor, I'm sure I'm not going to say his right name, Didier Rayolt asked about, he asked about another odd aspect of the remdesivir trial. Okay, so this is, and this is another very smart person. He says, and I quote, could Anthony Fauci explain why the investigators of the NIAID remdesivir trial did change the primary outcome during the course of the project. Death as the primary outcome was moved to a secondary outcome and days to recover became the primary trial outcome. Changing the primary outcome before the trial results are completed is highly unusual and suggests manipulating the data to get a statistic significant value. So they swapped it. They're like, you know, we're going to say that you get out of the hospital four days sooner is better than the fact that this is going to probably kill you. They just switched it. They made four days sooner 
on the top of the wish list, yeah, and they put out, death too. I got out four days sooner, but I'm gonna die. 10 but years I died earlier. like five five minutes later. No, yeah. you died at home. No, I died ten years earlier. You're funny. <laughs> In contrast, the multi-country compilation of evidence on a hydroxychloroquine and erythromycin, which is the Z-Pack, in treatment of COVID-19, this is updated April 27, 2020, has consistently shown that these older medicines prevent infections, significantly reduce severity of illness, reduce viral load, which is how much of the virus is spreading, and the duration of infectivity. Reduce the number of hospitalizations, reduce ventilator use, which killed everyone here, and markedly reduced death, which is the goal. The data is far beyond antidotal, as Dr. Fauci dismissively called it. So the rest of the planet, okay, aside from us, the capitalists that we are, they're using these methods, okay? They're using them if they can get them, because I'm sure there's hoarding going on. But we are not. Now, this is going to get worse. Money appears to be, and this is not a pun, trumping medical wisdom. In the recent enthusiasm for remdesivir, based on just one study with modest results, one naturally wonders whether this has anything to do with the fact that the world's largest... Asset manager, BlackRock, owns... Blackstone? BlackRock. Oh, BlackRock. BlackRock. Is that something out of the Flintstones? No, I don't know, Tony. They've been around a long time, but BlackRock... So the Flintstones. ...owns the largest share of all the Gilead stock, 8.4%. They're the ones making this drug. BlackRock's influence in Washington, D.C. is legendary, and it recently was awarded the financial crown jewel of administering the Federal Reserve's $4.5 trillion COVID-19 loan bailout program. So let's just review. BlackRock, world's largest financial financial asset manager, owns the largest uh, share of stock of Gilead, okay, in the world, and they are also been given the job to administer the $4.5 trillion that they just stole from us to bail out the big companies and give all their rich friends money. Hmm. So who's going to benefit from remdesivir? I think uh, our BlackRock guys are. Is someone stacking the deck in Gillard's favor? Ready for this? Nine of the experts at the National Institutes of Health, which, by the way, Fauci used to run, on the COVID-19 panel, nine of them, recommending treatment options, have disclosed financial support for Gilead. So they benefit from Gilead making money. Why did these nine experts not recuse themselves from this panel? Did financial conflicts of interest affect their recommendation against hydroxychloroquine, the older, safer, cheaper medicine, or or for use of remdesivir, the new expensive experimental medicine based on weak, not yet peer-reviewed evidence? I say they were influenced. I do believe you are right. Uh, By money. 
Hydroxychloroquine has been off patent for decades, which means it is available from a dozen of generic manufacturers. And it is also produced in China, in India, in Israel, and other countries. Hydroxychloroquine costs a patient less than $10, range 37 to 63 cents per tablet. So it's very affordable. For the usual five to seven day course treatment, remdesivir costs upwards of $1,000 a dose, plus the added cost of having to be hospitalized to receive it. So they make a lot more money from the other drug that's going to kill you and get you out of the hospital four days earlier. Then you drop dead. They kill you 10 years earlier. 10 days? You're going to die pretty quickly if all your organs stop working. In addition to hydroxychloroquine's low cost, major pharmaceutical companies like Novartis, Bayer, Teva, and others have donated nearly 50 million doses to the strategic national stockpile. Tragically, for Americans sick with COVID, most of this medicine still sits in the warehouses because state governments are interfering with the use in outpatients, which is the greatest, has its greatest effects. So anyone listening that lives here in New York, like us, your governor, Andrew Cuomo, is holding back medicine that could save your life, that you could afford if you don't even have health insurance, and that actually many countries, and we've heard this on the Gary Null Show. Oh, but we're New York tough. Yeah, he can stick that up his you-know-what. Um, many countries are giving protective doses, like low doses, to the teachers, to the frontline workers like the people that work in the food stores that are around a lot of people. Trump took it. He told us that. Well, that makes sense. He's a fat, bloated guy that does not take care of himself in his 70s around all these people, and everybody else gets it. Just use that as your guide, okay? There's no way that this fat, unhealthy guy that eats like KFC and Diet Coke and probably never saw a vitamin in his life is okay. He went to rallies, his Secret Service gets it. Everybody's got it but him because he's taking the drug and he probably is taking a lot high doses of zinc and uh, he's probably taking some IV vitamin C. So he is doing the thing that we should do, but because it came out of his blathering mouth, as Tony said, that most of what comes out of it is horrifying, perfectly staged for the media, because the Democrats, the Republicans, the pharmaceuticals, the healthcare, everybody is in on this and says, oh, we'll just say, look, Trump said it. And no- He's like that, there was a movie many, many years ago called Carney with Jodie Foster. And who do you think played what the big mouth clown that we he was like really vile? Did he ever say it something was, correct? Uh, no, but people after a while wanted to kill him because of the shit that came yeah, out. Yeah, right. It was so, Gary Busey that played the role. So no matter what Trump says, like so everyone knows that we are not Trump fans. We're not Trump supporters. We're not Trump voters. We don't like Trump, okay? I wouldn't piss on him if he was on fire. But you need to be able to take information and dissect it and find out on your own what's true and what's not true. Because even a clock that's wrong is right twice a day. Who was the one when this first started? Everybody was dropping around him. I said, "How is? Why is he not getting?" Sick? Yeah, I know it didn't make sense to me either. And because he exposes himself, he doesn't wear a mask. He doesn't care. He never so, keeps his big mouth no, shut. No, and he like he doesn't care. Everybody's using the same microphone. Like, yeah, I'm like, how did he? How is he not sick? Because he took 
the preventative dose and he probably is still taking it. So, but because everybody's so stressed out over all this, I get it. I am too. We had to take a little station break. I had to listen to science. I had to listen to doctors. And I said to myself, and then unfortunately that video, that the video that was like last week, I think there was one doctor that they're trying to say that she's crazy. This woman that she believes all kinds of crazy oh, stuff. The, uh, from Nigeria. Right. So that woman was part of like 12 doctors from all over the world that were speaking. They only showed her because she they couldn't disparage any of the other ones. Uh, they're real doctors. Um, they're saying the same thing that these doctors are saying all over the world. Who are you going to believe? These are the doctors. People are getting better. It's nonsense. And Fauci knows that this is true. And you want to know why? And if you go to PolitiFact and stuff, they'll say this isn't true. They will say it's not true, but it is true. They tried this drug, chloroquine. Now, hydroxychloroquine is even better, but chloroquine is, a, is, a, is in the same family. And they used it on um, animals that had the SARS virus, which is another coronavirus. It's the same family. There's a whole bunch of them. And it actually did work. That was 15 years ago. So Fauci knows darn well that what he's saying is a lie. But Fauci has a history. There's the drug for AIDS, AZT. They killed so many gay people, gay men with that drug back in the 80s. And Fauci was involved in that. So you, you have to do your homework. This is your life. So we're not allowed to get this drug because there's a few agendas they have. So let me just make sure that I have said everything so the end of this article she says patients lives are being sacrificed at the altar of financial interests the elite dc power brokers instead of being entrusted to the judgment of patients and own physicians we are witnessing the deadly consequences of bureaucrats and governors practicing medicine money over medical wisdom and politics above patients two viruses more lethal than covid19 so what they're doing to us is what's going to kill us. And the other thing that I wanted to discuss, and I don't have children. Tony and I do not have kids. We have cats, but no children. But I... I Winter is the lesser of two evils. Oh, you're so funny. But Well, cats never have to go to college. No, they don't go to school. So, and I can see, and I, I, I observe people. You know, we live in a building of a lot of people. We have medical people here, people with kids, old people, all kinds of people. And I've observed people with their kids and they're really trying hard like to take them outside and do things with them and to keep them busy and occupied. And a lot of people, like only 30% of people in New York City have gone back to their offices. So people are still working at home with their kids at home because now there's no summer camp, right? There was no school. So it's really hard. And I know that there are kids that are getting depressed there are kids that are becoming like they're misbehaving. There's families that it's very stressful in the household. There could be some abuse going on, maybe also because there's no school lunches anymore. I mean, a lot of negative effects. Kids like to be with other kids. We are social people. Humans are social. We like to be with other humans. Little kids are very social. They miss their friends. You know, they don't understand what's going on. And you could add that to daddy doesn't have a job anymore. Grandma passed away because of this. You could. I think we get it, dear. Uh, you're funny. So you could put a lot of things in there. So now you're depressing me. There's a lot of emotional collateral and physical collateral that is added to this. And then everywhere everybody goes, you got to wear a mask. You add that to it. So what they're doing to students and what they're doing to parents right now is manipulating them to believe 
that is so dangerous to send their kids to school. And there's an agenda there. And that other agenda is an agenda that Bill Gates is pushing. Andrew Cuomo is very in favor of. And uh, I think that all, and Trump even mentioned something the other day that I think the media just missed, that they really would love to get rid of public school. And this would be the perfect way to just kill it all together because they've been working on that for years. So Trump said at one of his briefings recently, he said, you know, we could just, you know, what I figure we could do, we could just give the parents money and like tell them they can send their kids wherever they want to send them. They can send them to religious school. They could send them to a charter school. They could homeschool them. You know, let give the money straight to the parents. That means no money for public schools. So that means that charter schools that have people that make no money or you can homeschool your kid on your computer, which is not a good thing, means you can't go to work and your kid has no friends or no activities at all, or you're going to religious school, which Betsy DeVos is very in favor of, so we can make them all little Christians running around. Nothing against Christian people. I am a Catholic, but I'm just saying they want to destroy public schools. So this would be the perfect way to do it, to scare parents their kids are going to get sick. Very few little kids got this disease. And again, we do have a drug you could give to the teachers to keep them safer. And you could also shut off the freaking air conditioning and open the windows because air conditioning recycles the air that we're all breathing and it's not a good thing for us during this pandemic. But they don't tell us any of that. They don't tell people <clears throat> how to be healthier. Bill Maher actually did a whole riff on his show uh, this past Friday. And he's the only person in public has talked about why don't we lose weight? They haven't discussed that, like Americans should lose weight. Apparently, the average American has gained 15 pounds during this deal. They eat garbage, they're at home. Not me, I'm still gorgeous. I'm losing weight. I lost like 10 pounds or more. I don't even know, I've lost track now. We're always walking, we always eat healthy, we take tons of vitamins. No one tells anyone to do that. This was the opportunity, but they no, don't they just want keep you to the, be healthy. They just keep pumping the two-for-five Burger King. <laughs> yeah, or the uh, Domino's pizza. Disgusting. I see people getting that I delivered. can't even look at TV anymore. It's gross. I'm so sick of the commercials for pharmaceuticals and the ASPCA. I get rid of Caleb and Alec. Now I got these abused dogs in my Sorry, Tony is sick of the television. But the, I can't. Then you got Car Shield. I'm so sick of these commercials. Stop watching the monsters. Maybe I can't. <laughs> the monsters. I wish the monsters were on. Oh, you're so funny. So, I can't take it anymore. So my point is, is that this is all gearing towards putting everybody at home. It's going to cause people to have so much depression. People are not going to be able to earn a living. It's just awful, and it's all for nothing. Because we have the solution to the problem already, but they do not want anyone to know that. And since the bloated president of ours, who has a reputation for being a moron, said it, that plays right into the hands of the powers that be in the media. Um, I mean, the state AGs urge Health and Human Services to sidestep... Um, here, I'll tell you, this is another article. So we had the attorneys... Uh, the um, who want to have us have uh, the vaccine. And now we have bipartisan state attorneys urging the federal government to sidestep the patient patents held by Gilad for Redesivir, the only authorized treatment for COVID-19, over frustration over pricing. 
So these idiots, they think that they should just like say, hey, it should be a cheaper drug so more people can use it. Why? So more people can die? It's not, that's not proven to help anyone. Does anyone, either they don't read or they really want people to be sick and not ever get better. So it's very frustrating. Um, I don't know how you get hydroxychloroquine if you wanted it because you can't get it unless you're close to death, if your doctor allows it. Well, they better get it. <laughs> they don't have it. It's not available. It's illegal to get it. The doctor's not going to yeah, give it to you. Because 45 is hoarding it. No, he's not hoarding it. I just explained it to you. The governors have made it uh, unable for people to get it. They can't get it. Cuomo started and everybody went down the line. Wait till we start with the vaccine here. Anyway, that is my story for today. So I'm going to pass the baton over to Tony. Do you want my microphone? On the microphone. All righty. <laughs> she always gets the better microphone. Oh, that's because I start the show. Okay, this is out of uh, this is the New York Times. Mackenzie Scott gives $1.7 billion to historically black colleges and other groups. Now, Mackenzie Scott is ex-Mrs. Jeff Bezos. Oh. Now, she's pretty cute. I'm surprised that Bezos, the geek, even got somebody like this. Because he has tons of money. That so, Mackenzie Scott, one of the world's richest women, pledged one year ago to give away her money until the safe is empty. Wow. On Tuesday, Miss Scott, an author and philanthropist who was once married to Jeff Bezos, the CEO of Amazon said she has given so far away $1.7 billion to a long list of institutions including historically black colleges and universities as well as organizations that support women's rights, LGBTQ equality, and efforts to fight climate and racial Right, climate change and racial inequities. Wow, he must be furious. She's giving away all the money. Yeah, she's she's picking, she's cherry picking to drive him crazy. Yeah, I love His it. hair would fall out if he had any. That's pretty funny. I, I give like each style. contribution, encourage them to spend it on whenever, whatever they believe serves their best efforts. Miss Scott said in a medium post in which she listed more than 100 organizations that receive contributions. Wow. Let, let me let me send her our address. <laughs> I could use. I got three cats. I need all the help I can get. <laughs> we have a mini shelter. $400 a month to keep these three little rug rats afloat. And we have three outside, but we don't fund those. Yeah. Miss Scott, who was married to Bezos for 25 years, is estimated oh, to have a net women. worth of $36 billion and is the fourth richest woman in the world. Now, Miss Scott, 50, received 4% of Amazon shares as a part of the couple's divorce settlement. A Princeton graduate who studied under Toni Morrison, Miss Scott pursued a career as a writer, even as she helped Miss, Mr. Bezos start his business. Soon after the divorce, Miss Scott, still using her married name, signed the giving pledge, noting that she had a disproportionate amount of money to share. Go away, cat. <laughs> I'm going to go give her some food. Beat it. <laughs> Speaking of the one that puts the $400 bite on us every month, yeah. she is, what, she hungry again? Yeah, Several of the organizations that receive donations from Miss Scott including, are including Howard University and Tuskegee University said the gifts were the biggest contributions ever their institutions had ever received. 
Howard University said it received $40 million. The university said Miss Scott's gift would help support a student retention program that gives financial assistance to students who receive maximum amount of federal aid under the Pell Grant program. We hope that the other donors will follow her example to lift the financial burden off of deserving students who help make ends meet so they can focus on graduating on time, Wayne Frederick, the president of the university, said in a statement. Now, Lily McNair, president of Tuskegee University, said Miss Scott had donated $20 million to the university. The gift comes at an opportune time for us, Ms. McNair said in a statement. She said she envisioned the money would help fund student scholarships and campus improvement projects. The gift will allow us to become the Tuskegee of the 21st century, she said. Now, in her post, Ms. Scott said the last fall, that last fall she asked a team of nonprofit advisors to help her identify organizations that have directly helped marginalized groups. And it says here, she, I began work to complete my pledge with the belief that my life had yielded two assets that what could be of particular value to others. The money these systems help deliver to me and a conviction that people who have experience with inequities are the ones best equipped to design solutions. So that's nice that she did that. But it said, unlike other ultra-wealthy donors who often establish their own foundations, Miss Scott gave directly to causes and un underrepresented groups doing work on the ground, said Rob Reich a Stanford University political science professor who has written about the drawbacks of modern-day philanthropy. Uh, he also noted that her donation had no strings attached, an approach he praised as anti-paternalistic. But Professor Reich emphasized that the public should realize that the giving pledge does little to reduce a person's overall wealth. What she means is she's giving the money away, but she's also get, she's also got four points on Amazon in stock. Yeah, so she's making. So money. she's it's coming in the front window and then it's well, going remember, out the back window. The way she files her taxes, she will it, it, it's a benefit to her because she's rich. She's not like us, uh, right? So she's not doing standard deduction. All right, it says here, if you pick the year that someone signed the giving pledge and look at their wealth today, almost all of those people who have more wealth than they did. When they sign the giving pledge, they're richer today than when they sign the pledge because their wealth has grown more quickly. Yeah, and because of the tax cuts to Trump did, the, the tax code is different now. And here she is so again. So she wants more food? Fine, fine. Oh, if you could just see her, how cute she is. She's yeah. a little black and white. Now, speaking of Jeff Bezos, this is by another Robert Reich. Mm -hmm. There's another Robert Reich? Yeah. Amazon paid 1.2% in taxes. Will you go away? <laughs> On get a load of this. 13 million, to, wait, excuse me, 13 billion, 285,000 dollars. 285 million. In, I'm sorry, this, these are so many zeros, it's like ridiculous. All right, let me try this again. $13,285,000,000 in profits. It actually paid nothing in 2018. Yeah, no, it didn't pay. 
Now, Jeff Bezos lives in Beverly Hills. He has, in his house, in, his, in Beverly Hills, he has three saunas, two guest houses, a nine-hole golf course, a tennis court, a motor court with gas pumps. Holy cow. He and that's probably, he's probably also got a state-of-the-art S&M dungeon. <laughs> oh, my God. Okay. Let's not confuse that with his D.C. mansion, which has two elevators, 25 bathrooms, six t- uh, 1,006 light fixtures, and a full movie theater. Who counts the light fixtures? What? 25 bathrooms. That's insane. Could you imagine George Costanza on Seinfeld? He'd run <laughs> through this place like a kidney candy store. You know how he's fascinated with bathrooms? bathrooms? All right, this is coming out of The Hill. Derek Chauvin is in the news again. Who is he again? He's the kneeling on George Floyd's neck. Oh, right. How George, we should know his name. Derek Chauvin, the former Minneapolis police officer who was charged with murder in the death of George Floyd in May, has also been charged alongside his wife with multiple felony counts of tax evasion. The couple was charged in Washington County, Minnesota, with six counts of falling filing false or fraudulent tax returns for the years spanning from 2014 to 2018. The Chauvins are also facing three counts of failing to file tax returns in 2016, 17, and 18. Derek and Kelly Chauvin, who lived and were employed in Minnesota, also filed, failed to file income tax returns and pay state income taxes, underreported and underpaid taxes on income, generated from various employments each year and failed to pay proper sale tax on a vehicle purchased in Minnesota. And this comes from the office of the Washington County Attorney. So not only is he... Their problems are really mounting, aren't they? So when he goes up for murder and tax evasion, she'll be in the cell next to him. That's why she ran away from him. Remember, right after he got arrested, she was like, I'm out of here. Remember? Yeah, she doesn't need him anymore. It's not that she doesn't need him. She knew that all this stuff was going to happen. This is Bill Moyers about not only are the rich trying to kill us with medication, they're also fleecing us. As the social safety net is shredded, new data shows that billionaires and corporations are refusing to pay hundreds of billions of dollars of owed taxes each single year. The data in those analyses tell the story of conservative politicians letting billionaires and corporations brazenly evade laws and effectively elude hundreds of billions of dollars from the public treasury all while those same politicians plead poverty to justify cutting the social safety net during a lethal pandemic. Yeah, they're robbing us, giving to the rich people, and killing us all at the same time. Okay, the next time you hear conservative politicians insist they want law and order and hate looting and believe America can't afford new government programs, show them two landmark reports that emerged in the last 24 hours. The data in those analyses tell the story of conservative politicians letting billionaires and corporations brazenly evade laws and effectively loot hundreds of millions of dollars billions of dollars from the public treasury now the report came from the nonpartisan congressional budget office which found that between 2011 and 2013 381 billion dollars in taxes went unpaid every single year Couple that with the data with recent Harvard University research showing that the top 1% of income earners are responsible for the 70% of the tax gap. 
and you will see the full picture. The wealthiest sliver of the population is depriving the American public of about 266 billion of owed tax revenue see, and that's how we could get every year. We we have money for everything. We just don't collect taxes. We have money for everything. Now that was Bill Moyers that I wrote like that. I like him. He's really good. Well, he's an old school. That's fine. He's an old school guy. Just checking the screen here. I know. Now NPR, a former concentration camp guard convicted of assisting in thousands of murders. It says here a German court has convicted a 93-year-old man for assisting in thousands of murders committed at a Nazi concentration camp where he served as a guard during the last years of World War II. How old was this guy? 18 yeah, know, at the right? time? I don't know. In a Hamburg good. court on yeah, Thursday. I, I heard about this. In a Hamburg court on Thursday, Bruno Day was given a two-year suspended sentence. What the, why even bother? Two days? Two-year suspended oh, sentence. two years. For his role in more than 5,200 murders committed at Stutthof, con this one I've never even heard of, Stutthof concentration camp while he served as a guard, guard beginning in 1944. And I was right. Because he was 17 years old when he started working at the camp, Day was tried in a juvenile court. Oh, Prosecutors okay. had called for a three-year sentence for Day who guarded a tower at Stutthof they argued that even as a guard, they, they added the Nazis as a small wheel in the machinery of murder, as the AP press reported. The defense argued for acquittal, with they maintaining that although he served as a guard, he was not directly responsible for any of the killings. They admitted to having been the camp's, seen the camp's emaciated prisoners, the BBC reported, and knew of the deadly gas chambers. But in her verdict, Judge Ann Meyer Goring echoed the prosecution's argument, telling they that he had been complicit. The concentration camp Stutthof and the mass murder that took place inside was only able to take place with your help. Given the age of the survivors and perpetrators, the trial is likely one of the last of its kind to take place. It's like, how many of these people are still running around? It's amazing. Throughout the proceedings, they heard from survivors at the camp. I'm so, they're probably even older than he is. There were about three dozen co-plaintiffs, most of them survivors, in Day's trial. In the final statement to the court, according to DPA, Day apologized to all the people who went through this hellish madness and to their relatives and descendants. Here, a lot goes it, a lot good it does now. I know it's too late. Now, this camp was established near Gdansk. Poland, no wonder I never heard of it. Poland Stutthof was designated a concentration camp in 1942. In a total, more than 60,000 people died at the camp before it was liberated by Soviet forces May 9th, 1945. And then they wound up under the guise of Stalin. Right. So they get rid of one maniac and they get another one. So the guy really got no time. And on to the final story, a very sad note for me because this is a man I admired very much and i met him years ago and he was a great guy local legend local legend journalist new york uh journalist pete hamill passed away today he was 85 years old pete hamill perhaps the last of a generation of celebrity newspapermen has died of heart and kidney failure after undergoing emergency surgery for a fractured right hip he was 85 and had been in failing health for several years 
I remember many, many years ago, he wrote The Killing for Christ, The Gift, North River, and Tabloids. I've read many, many of this man's books. I met him uh, at, in 1998 at a party at uh, Borough of Manhattan Community College, and I talked to him for hours. And I wanted to get into journalism, and I told him I was up for the New York City sanitation job. And he told me, take the union job. I will never forget the words this man told me. And I looked at him. And I see, he goes, journalism is fading the way we knew it. He was right. He goes, it's been coming on for 20 years. He saw it better than anybody. This is a guy who at the end of a, an illustrious career, he got hosed by not only uh, Abe Dershowitz, not Abe Dershowitz, what was his name? Um, Abe Hirschfeld of the New York Post, Rupert Murdoch, who rebought the Post and fired him a second time. Yeah. There's a good documentary that we watched. About yeah, him. about Hamill and Breslin. And also, uh, he went to work for the New York Daily News, and then Mort Zuckerman forced him to resign mm -hmm. because Hamill was politically aligned with people like my wife, myself, people that listen to this show. He was a, he was a hot-tempered Irish Catholic from Brooklyn. And a wonderful when, writer. When I heard he got... I, first of all, I was stunned that he even went to the Post to work. Because that's not his kind of audience. He had started at the Post and then he went back again. And then... Was he with the Daily News at one point? He was at the Daily News later on. I, he, he bounced around for quite a few years. Because, you know, he... Like I said, he... He had a mouth. He was, he was, he was very uh, firing his beliefs. And, you know, he told people what he thought. And but talk about his writing. And his writing... The way he phrased things, I mean... I mean, I read, I mean, it was funny. He was, they were talking at the party about his book, The Snow in August. And it's about a young Irish guy who becomes friends in 1950s Brooklyn with a rabbi. And, you know, I mean, the, the opening pages are some of the best prose I have ever read in my life. And he leaned into me at the party and he looked at me. He goes, that's the only book that I ever wrote that I haven't made any money. That's why he told you to take it. And I was stunned. Job. I looked at him. I said, you got to be kidding. I says, I've read a lot of your books. He goes, you, yeah, you and maybe about five other people. Right. But the papers people read. People yeah. read. What that, you know how I started getting into him? My parents hated him. <laughs> hated him. And like most my kids, mother, my mother couldn't stand him. My father couldn't stand him. So I started to read him. I was like, I like him. So when they were in the paper, and I start, I didn't like Breslin. When I met Breslin, he was just a nasty, drunken. But Hamill, uh, Hamill was a great guy. He was very, you know, talking to it everybody. Was such a different world, journalism. And, and it's sort of, you know, it's really sad that he passed away. And I know Tony, you know, Tony not only met him, but read him and admires him. And he, he should admire him because, you know, it's so depressing. You know, it's not only the story that we're talking about today about this drug and and what they're doing to manipulate everybody to think that something that's going to help them is going to hurt them. But it's the fact that the media, the journalists, are taking part in this lie. They know this. They, they can research. Tony and I are just two people doing a podcast in Queens, okay? Um, they know exactly what we know. And if they're not looking for the truth and they're not doing their jobs, and if they know it, then they are really criminal. Now, when I talked to him, when we were we were leaving, we were leaving the party. He just puts his hand on my shoulder. He kind of leans into me, and he had this crooked grin, because he knew I wasn't hosing him. He knew I read a lot of his stuff. I would quote passages and characters in his book, and he was impressed. And he just looked at me at the end, and he just looked at me. He said very quietly, "Thank you." 
Oh, well, he gave you good advice. Too. And he, because he knew I was genuine, I didn't, I wasn't BSing him. Right. I like, had, oh, yeah, I read you. I, re I read a lot of his stuff. I'll never forget in, in the, his book, Flesh and Blood, guy goes to prison. He becomes the great white hope. He was an Irish kid. And in the prison, the, the, uh, the head, what he called um, fag, <laughs> oh, funny. he named him Elizabeth Taylor in the book. Uh -huh. And I looked at him. I said, the guy in the prison that was chasing him around, you right. called him Elizabeth Taylor. He was a black character. I says, I'm surprised she didn't sue you. He goes, it was either call her that, call him that, or call him Princess Grace. Oh, that's hilarious. And I was like, you're kidding. And he goes, no. He Maybe she was happy him. to be named in his book. Yeah. So the character that he ends up fighting at the end of the uh, at the end of the book, they made a movie on TV with Tom Berenger, and I says, the way you described him, I says, was that Sonny Liston? Did you base him on Sonny Liston or George Foreman? He goes, oh, it was Sonny Liston. He was laughing. Mm -hmm. Oh, he went out with Jackie Onassis. He went out with Jackie, and they had a very, he did a very that he regretted. He was, with, he uh, was very sn sn snotty with her at the he end. He was with Martin Luther King. He was with. Um, Robert Kennedy, when he was shot, he had he affair. Right there, they he, the yeah, guy. he had affairs with Jackie Kennedy, Shirley MacLaine, and Linda Ronstadt. Wow! So he was a great writer, and he had got some. And uh, good ass, he got some uh, great A tale. There you go. Uh, yeah, he's really interesting to listen to. I'm sure that you know you can do some Google and you can learn a little bit more about him. Maybe read him. A real journalist. He lived to 85. Rest in peace. You know. Um, but For him, I hope heaven is an endless library and an endless art museum because that's what he liked. That's, that's when I started to, when I was young. And a couple I, of martinis. I read, no, he quit drinking. Well, and he kind of became though, a nasty drunk. But he could but, drink a little. And I remember reading about him young. He was a guy at odds with his father who wanted to become an artist for, you know, comic book artist. Mm hmm. And he wound up drifting. And he told me he got, when he went to the post, he got very, very lucky. He told me this. He goes, it's a different business today. He broke in in 1960 at the New York Post because of a newspaper strike. All the reporters went on strike. And he kind of, he kind of, no, he got in there mm. as a, as a uh, I don't want to say scare, but, oh, but I'm just saying. Oh, he got in because of that. Because there was, a, uh, there was an opening for right, him. Right, So he got in and he proved himself during the strike. I mean, it, every, all the newspapers went on strike. He got lucky. So he told me that. But he gave you some good advice. Yes. So. He goes, take the union job, be a teamster. <laughs> he goes, I wish I had done the same thing. Aww. And I knew what he meant because I guarantee at the end he probably had, he didn't have a pot to piss in. Yeah, it was probably Because wrong. Hirschfeld and, and Murdoch and. Um, they all screwed him. And Zuckerman, they all, they gave him nothing. Anyway, on that note, um, that is our show. Be healthy, start exercising, lose some weight, and uh, we'll be with you again. Take good care. Yeah, watch a couple of those Rocky movies. Get inspired. Watch the training scenes. There you go. Women weaken legs. Gotcha.